Lukutei Sichais, Parshas Re'e, Chelek Chavdalet, Sicha Aleph. In this week's Torah portion, as Moshe continues to part from the nation with words of guidance and instructs the nation that upon entering the land, they destroy all vestiges of idolatry from the promised land. In chapter 12, verse 5, Beis Pasuk Hei, the Torah tells us, Moshe instructs, but only to the place which the Lord your God shall choose from all your tribes to set his name there, that is where you should bring the sacrifices. You shall inquire after his dwelling and come there. And there, we read in Pasuk Vav, in verse 6, you shall bring your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, etc. And they are forbidden from offering sacrifices elsewhere. In the Tractate of Zvachim, the Mishnah discusses the many stages of this instruction. The Sifri too explains this as follows. Once the tabernacle was set up, Bamot, personal altars, were no longer permitted. But with their arrival in Gilgal, where the tabernacle stood for 14 years, they were permitted to bring sacrifices on personal altars. When the tabernacle was then set up in Shiloh, where it stood for close to 400 years, they were again prohibited from using personal altars. And while there was no permanent ceiling to the tabernacle in Shiloh, there were stone walls, and so it was considered a house, a bit of anim, a house of stone. When the tabernacle in Shiloh was destroyed by the Philistines and moved to Nov and then to Givon, personal altars were permitted again, when they finally built the temple in Jerusalem, personal altars were forbidden henceforth, as this was the permanent place of the temple. The terminology of the Mishnah tells us that the fact that personal altars were forbidden when they came to Shiloh is in direct correlation to the fact that there was a stone structure and this was of some permanence and not just a tent, as opposed to Gilgal before, where the Ohamoid, the tent of meeting, served as a temporary place of God's presence, only a tent. And Maimonides, in fact, references Shiloh, saying, Shiloh was called a home for God. What poses a difficulty for us with this, however, is a verse in Shmuel Beis, in Shmuel 2, that very specifically tells us that God said, For I have not dwelt in a house from the day that I brought up the children of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I have wandered in a tent and in a tabernacle, this day being the day they began the service in the Beis Hamikdash in Jerusalem. That means that even the tabernacle in Shiloh was considered a tent, in other words, a temporary space, and not a home to God. We could suggest that it's really all relative. Compared to the tent of meeting, the tabernacle had more permanence and is considered a house, but compared to the Beis Hamikdash in Jerusalem, it would just be considered a tent. But because this idea of house or impermanent structure becomes connected to a mitzvah and an actual law about the prohibition of personal altars in some circumstances and not in others, it would seem that the tabernacle in Shiloh, where they were prohibited from making a bama, a personal altar, outside of the designated place of the altar for sacrifices in Shiloh, described as the place where God rested with some level of permanence, 
would also be considered a bias, a house. The explanation for this could be said to be that the Torah uses the same terminology in describing the tabernacle in Shiloh and the Bet HaMikdash in Jerusalem. They're both referred to as Hamakom Asher Hashem, the place God chose. The Sifri comments and says, this is Shiloh, and the eternal home of God, in other words, the temple. And indeed, we don't see this term used regarding the earlier tabernacle or regarding the temple that stood in Nov and then in Givon. Now, the difference is very clear in that when the tabernacle stood in the desert, sacrifices were specifically brought in the tabernacle and personal altars were prohibited. It wasn't the place God chose. The place of the tabernacle had no permanence as they were traveling to a destination from journey to journey. Gilgal in Israel, too, was not a place of permanence, as during these 14 years, the nation were fighting for the land and apportioning the territories. However, in Shiloh, where the implication of the place that God chose is clearly understood, as a tabernacle stood in Shiloh for 369 years, thus the prohibition of personal altars anywhere outside of the altar in the tabernacle, which is why the tabernacle in Shiloh was a home of some permanence with stone walls. Accordingly, we can explain the difference in the allowance for Bamot, personal altars, when they entered the land, but were in a state of impermanence in Gilgal, and when the tabernacle in Shiloh was destroyed, and they again could have Bamot in the impermanent places of Nov and Givon. Or, as Maimonides teaches it, from the day that they were no longer living in desert encampments, and they entered the land of Israel, when the Mishkan was set up in Gilgal, the prohibition of not having personal altars was set aside, and they were once again permitted to have Bamot, and it remained permissible for anyone who desired to bring a sacrifice to do so as they did before the tabernacle in the desert was set up. By default, because there were no encampments, and it was like before the tabernacle was built, with the tribes camped around it, this was permitted. But the permission for this, for bringing a sacrifice and a personal altar, after the tabernacle at Shiloh was destroyed, when the land was already settled, needs to be qualified. What is our source that this was then permitted again? The Talmud in Zvachim teaches that the verse that we learn this from, the verse in our Torah portion in chapter 12 in Perak Yud Beis, verse 9, Pasuk Tes, tells us, Kilo vosem ad ata, for you have not yet arrived, el ha-menucha vi-el ha-nachala, to the place of rest, or the inheritance which the Lord God is giving you. Why two expressions, el ha to the place of rest, and el ha to the inheritance? If they refer to the same thing, we don't need two expressions to tell us that God means the settled land of Israel. So Rashi explains the two expressions, el ha to the place of rest as a reference to Shiloh, and el ha to the inheritance as Yerushalayim. And they are so depicted, says the Talmud, as El Hamanucha, and then as El Hanachala, as a lesson for us to know that these two places of permanence 
carry the prohibition of personal altars. But in between these two, it was permissible for personal altars to be built. Between these two. Those words to make it permissible for personal altars between the two is actually the source for understanding the prohibition of Bamot at other times. This teaching negates the possible thinking that since the time that we had the tabernacle in Shiloh, the entire concept of personal altars was nullified completely. In fact, there was a time, this time between Shiloh and the Beis Hamikdash, that they were permitted. Rashi too explains this statement in the Talmud, saying, where is it from that we know that personal altars were permitted after the holiness of Shiloh was destroyed? Destroyed From this verse and the dual phrase, El HaMenucha V'El HaNachala. Now, why would one assume that with Shiloh, the entire idea of personal altars was abolished? Because Shiloh had the aspect of permanence that did not exist earlier in any of the places where we brought sacrifices as a people. Shiloh was a place that God chose, and this choice nullified the idea of Bamot. But then we needed a special lesson if personal altars were needed or and permitted again. This all brings us to another issue that requires clarification. Regarding Shiloh, the term, the place that God chose, is used. In that case... Why then is it only the temple in Jerusalem that is referred to as the Beis HaBechira, God's chosen home? Why isn't Shiloh called Beis HaBechira? It must be then that though Shiloh is referred to as the place that God chose, there's a difference in the choice of Shiloh and the choice of Jerusalem. What is the difference and how do we understand it? Let's look at the different phrases and verses used in this week's Torah portion regarding the obligation of bringing sacrifices in God's home. First, we're warned not to bring sacrifices as the non-Jews did, just sacrificing to God anywhere and everywhere. Rather, Moshe tells us, only to the place where God chooses for his name to be there, only to bring sacrifices there. Then a few verses further we learn, And you shall cross the Jordan and settle in the land that the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance, and he will give you respite from all your enemies that surround you, and you will dwell securely. There you will bring all the sacrifices that I am commanding you to bring. The Safri comments and explains this, as does Rashi, saying that the first verse that instructs us to bring sacrifices only where God chooses his name to be there is a reference to Shiloh. The second verse is said regarding Jerusalem. There is a distinct difference in these verses. The first verse emphasizes the individual. There you will bring your sacrifices. The second verse, on the other hand, emphasizes the place where the sacrifices will be brought to. There you will bring all the sacrifices that I command you. The differences indicate a fundamental division between the two verses. In the first verse, the Torah speaks to what they may not do. They may not, like the four nations, bring sacrifices to God wherever on private altars. The resulting obligation, then, is to bring sacrifices to a specific place designated by God, 
God designates this place so that the sacrifices are not brought in just any place. The latter verse, however, begins with the obligation, and it will be that the place that God will choose in which his name will be sanctified, there you shall bring all the sacrifices that I am commanding you, which means that where the nation will be bringing sacrifices is a result of God choosing a place. The choice of the place comes first. So did God choose Shiloh? Yes. But the essence of the choice is different in the tabernacle in Shiloh and the temple in Jerusalem. Shiloh is a place that God chose only as it correlates to the prohibition of bringing sacrifices to God in just any random place. Hence the need for a place designated to bringing sacrifices. So God chose Shiloh for very specific need and reason. But Yerushalayim is the place that God chose for no reason other than it's where God desires that his Shekhinah dwell. And therefore it is the place where sacrifices will be brought. The choice of Shiloh was for the nation. So they could continue to bring sacrifices in one designated place and not like it was before the encampments. But the choice of Jerusalem is because of God and his unique attachment to Yerushalayim, whereas King David describes in Psalms, forever this will be the place that I, God, dwell. This difference in choice is also significant in that which was chosen, because the choice of Shiloh was so that there would be a designated place for sacrifices, and the structure that serves this purpose is secondary to the area upon which it's built, and is not the actual choice. Jerusalem, however, is, as we said, chosen with no reason, with no conditions or calculations. Thus, the choice of Jerusalem incorporates both the place and the home built upon it. In fact, because God chose for his presence to rest there for eternity, it's understood that only when the temple stands can the Shekhinah reside there. It is the house of God that is indeed chosen a base habachira. The difference is obvious in the specific terminology unique to each of those verses mentioned. Regarding Shiloh, the verse reads, to the place that the Lord your God will choose to place his name there. Ki im el hamokim asher yifcha Hashem elokechem mikol shivtechem lasum eshmei sham l'shechnei. Regarding Jerusalem, the verse reads, asher yifcha Hashem elokechem bo the word bo in this verse tells us that God's choice lies in this specific place, whereas the specific place for the tabernacle in Shiloh is not chosen. Accordingly, we understand why Maimonides references these laws and the laws of the base Habakhira, the laws of the chosen house. While he titles these laws as the mitzvah of building the temple, the Beis Hamikdash, and introduces the laws with a mitzvah in the Torah to build a temple, which reads, Va'asuli Mikdash, make for me a tabernacle. He doesn't quote the verse that refers to the temple as Bechira, chosen. And in fact, later on, Maimonides speaks of the laws of the vessels of the temple, Klei Hamikdash, referencing them with the name Mikdash. This further highlights that the temple in Jerusalem was the base Habakira, it was God's choice to build the temple, this temple, 
there in Jerusalem. It is this temple that is a base of Achira, a chosen house. What we have discussed gives us a clear understanding of Maimonides' statement that once the temple was built in Jerusalem, all other places became prohibited from building a house of God upon them. We could ask, why doesn't Maimonides say, once God chose this eternal forever home, just like it says in the Mechilta, until God chose Jerusalem, until he chose an eternal home. Why does Maimonides change that terminology and say, once the temple was built, etc.? But we can look at this now and say that there are, in fact, two aspects to, and two phases in the choice of the temple in Jerusalem, each one unfolding in its significant time. There was the choice of the place of the temple, on Har HaMoriah, on Mount Moriah, which is a place of familial and historical connection in existence from the time of our forefathers, some say even from the time of Adam. It was the place where Abraham built an altar upon which he was prepared to sacrifice Isaac, and the place where Noah built the altar when he left the ark after the flood. Then there is the phase of building the temple itself, God's choice in this temple built in Jerusalem on Har HaMoriah. With this phase, God's choice was made complete, and therefore all other places became prohibited to have a house for God. It's for this reason that Maimonides quotes as proof verses that speak to God's choice of this house, and not only of the choice of Jerusalem and the mountain upon which it is built. Like the verse quoting King David who said, this is God's house, and this is the altar for Israel's sacrifices, which emphasizes the choice emphasizes that the choice is not only in the place, but in the house, in the temple itself, and the altar. And thus King David says, that God declares this the place of his dwelling for eternity. Nothing defines the choice of the place, and nothing defines the choice of the house. Both have no ulterior purpose as a choice other than this was God's place. Now we can also understand the previously mentioned difference regarding the way the verses are phrased. Regarding Shiloh, Moshe says, you will bring there your sacrifices. And regarding Jerusalem, the verse states, there you will bring your sacrifices. To Shiloh, it's about man's obligation. To Jerusalem, it's about God's chosen place, and therefore to there, the place of God's choosing, sacrifices will be brought. The obligation to bring sacrifices in Shiloh, when the tabernacle stood there, was an obligation for every individual Jew, as there is a mitzvah to bring sacrifices, and then it became prohibited to bring sacrifices just anywhere. God chose a place then. He chose Shiloh as the place where the obligatory sacrifices could be brought, and the people were now prohibited from bringing sacrifices anywhere else. But Jerusalem, which is chosen for itself, and the object too, the house of Hashem, is chosen for itself, because this is where Hashem chooses to place his Shekhinah. This then becomes the place where sacrifices are brought, because this is the only place where sacrifices can be brought. Maimonides' choice of phrase when teaching the mitzvah 
of bringing a sacrifice in the Beis HaBechira is now better appreciated. Instead of saying, it's a positive commandment to bring sacrifices in the temple, he begins the laws of sacrifice with the sacrifice itself, and not with the obligation to bring a sacrifice. And he says, all the sacrifices carry the positive commandment of bringing the sacrifice in the Beis HaBechira, in the temple indicating that the obligation to bring the sacrifices specifically there is not a condition only for the one bringing it, but is the condition relevant to the sacrifices. There they must be brought. And this is because of what we said, the house is chosen. This house is the place where Hashem chooses to bring His presence. And this then obligates that the sacrifices be brought there in the house of God.